A coach is someone who makes you do the things you don't want to do so you can become the person you want to become. And that usually means trying some things you've never tried before. So if someone listening is about to embark on a big crazy dream or just really go for it, maybe write that down on a post-it or put it up in your kitchen. Hello and welcome to The Daily Helping with Dr. Richard Schuster. Food for the brain, knowledge from the experts, tools to win at life. I'm your host, Dr. Richard. Whoever you are, wherever you're from, and whatever you do, this is the show that is going to help you become the best version of yourself. Each episode, you will hear from some of the most amazing, talented, and successful people on the planet who followed their passions and strive to help others. Join our movement to get a million people each day to commit acts of kindness for others. Together, we're going to make the world a better place. Are you ready? Because it's time for your Daily Helping. Thanks for tuning into this episode of the Daily Helping Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Richard, and we have an awesome guest joining us today. Her name is Julia Pimsler, and she's the author of Go Big Now and the best-selling Million Dollar Women. She is a master practitioner and coach of neuro-linguistic programming and the founder of the Million Dollar Women Social Venture. Pimsler also built the number one language teaching company for kids, Little Pim, into a multi-million dollar business. She's been featured in such media outlets as CNBC, Time, Forbes, and the New York Times. An avid scuba diver, she lives with her sons in New York City. Julia, welcome to The Daily Helping. I cannot wait to jump into this with you today. I am so excited for our conversation and let's just not geek out the entire time on scuba diving, but maybe we can save a little bit. Maybe a little bit, maybe too. a little bit. I should have said, I can't wait to dive into this with you. Dive in, but I'm <laughs> <laughs> so, Julia, there's so many fun things we can talk about, and we're certainly going to talk about your newest book. But what I'd like to do is peel back the onion a little bit. Talk to us about what got you started on your journey, because I love to know people's why. I think I've always been really passionate about bringing things that have been accessible to only a few to many. There's sort of a through line, even though this is my fourth career, I've reinvented many times, and I'm sure you have listeners who are reinventing right now, and if that's you listening, I was a filmmaker, I was a nonprofit fundraiser, I then started my first business, Little Pim, the one that uh, Dr. Richard just talked about, which was language teaching for young children, and now I'm a coach. So no stranger to reinventing, but if I look at the through line, it's always about taking something that very few people have access to and making it available to everyone. So for instance, when I was a documentary filmmaker, I was really passionate about social issues, whether it was looking at why are there so many black men in the prison system? We did a film about that. We did a film about healthcare, trying to make that information more widely available. Then when I had the language teaching business, it was, well, why is it that only the kids of the 1% can learn a foreign language, right? Because the 1% have always taught their kids French, Spanish, Chinese to give them that advantage. But for most other people, that was inaccessible, right? Expensive language classes or getting, you know, a babysitter from another country, that's not easy to do. So we created the first language teaching program that anybody could use at home, even if they don't speak the second language. And now with my coaching, it's really all about helping more women access more money and more freedom. I think that's fantastic. And you know, the accessibility so strongly resonates with me. I'm interested in learning when you made the decision to do this, 
Did you know that, okay, I'm going to massively scale this. What was your mindset setting out? How big did you think you could get this to be? When I started my company, Little Pim, the language teaching company, which is really where this all started because the hurdles that I had to get over and the coaching I got and the mentorship I got inspired me to then become a coach and help other people do the same. And I think like many people starting a business, I was just looking to solve a problem I had. I had my first son, who Emmett, who was a little baby. And if I knew one thing other than that, I wanted him to scuba dive, although I've not succeeded on that. <laughs> I wanted him to learn a second language because I grew up bilingual in French and English. And that opened so many doors for me. I was on scholarship most of my education, and it just allowed me to have a lot of advantages to speak a second language. I lived and worked in other countries. But weirdly, there was nothing on the market for little kids to learn a second language. So I didn't start out with this idea of like, I'm going to build a multi-million dollar company. It was like, okay, how can I solve this problem for me? And it turns out thousands of other parents have the same problem. I'm going to solve it for them too. And then I think what happens to a lot of business owners, and certainly what happened with me, is I got about four years in. I had some success, right? We were at 400, 500,000 in revenues. We're selling all over the country, you know, in six languages and 12 DVDs and all kinds of great things going on. But I sort of got stuck where I was like, okay, I've thrown everything I have at this, but it's not growing bigger than this. And that was really scary. And a moment where, to be honest, I almost shut down because I just thought, well, this is not making the kind of money I need to make. You know, I've got two little kids at home. By then I had a three-year-old and a six-year-old. My ex-husband was not on Wall Street. I'm here in New York. He was working in a nonprofit. So I was a primary breadwinner and it was a scary time. And I almost threw the towel in. But happily, as I referenced before, I got access to coaching and mentorship, learned the business skills that I was missing. And that's when I started getting that go big vision of, okay, this can be a multi-million dollar business. But then the mindset hurdles came in. So I'll stop there because you know, you know a bit about what that's like. <laughs> well, and it's interesting. I, I cannot even count the number of people who have come on my show and talked about this pivotal point in their life where a mentor, a coach came in and really taught them the skills that they have. And you mentioned the go big mindset. So I, I do want to jump into your, your latest book, Go Big Now. So when did you decide to write that? And I, and I know that you're doing a lot in the space of empowering women, but this book is for everybody, is it not? Yeah. Yes. When I wrote Million Dollar Women, I was sharing my story of how I built Little Pim into a multi-million dollar business and the number one language teaching program for kids. And I also interviewed seven women from across the country who had built multi-million dollar businesses. So when I went out to give my talks about that, I was speaking to rooms of 100 to 500 to 1,000 people. And I would always share, you know, it turns out you only need three things to go big. You need the right mindset, the right skill set, and the right network. And then I would ask, which of those three seems the hardest for you, this mindset, the skill set, or the network? And in all these rooms of 100 to 1,000 people, almost all hands went up for mindset. And that's when I knew I was onto something, and that would probably be my next book, because I did share all the big mindset shifts that I had to make in order to embrace running a multi-million dollar company and, and do what it took to get there. And I realized many other people were struggling with the same thing. So I went out and got trained as a mindset coach, NLP master practitioner, and started coaching women around mindset and business. And now I coach everyone in business around mindset with a particular love and passion for helping women. 
I love this. So let's go through the book. Let's take a deep dive and let's go through some of the key tenants that a reader is going to get out of this. Let me get my air tank on. Hang on. Hey, right on. <laughs> let's do it. So mindset, obviously there's a lot out there about mindset, but it is interesting because if you don't, that, that to me is really the foundation of any success, not just in business, but in life itself in relationships, in parenting, in the, the way that you psychologically approach something is, is central. Because if you don't nail that, the rest of it is a house of cards. It doesn't work. So if somebody is listening to this and they're putting their hand up, they're saying, yes, Julia, that's me. I'm having some mindset challenges. Let's go through it. Take, take us through. Well, I wrote the book because I've read probably every mindset book out there. You know, I've studied everyone from Jim Rohn to Tony Robbins to Napoleon Hill to Tara Brock to Sharon Salzberg, right? I've, I've studied with all these masters, either through their work or in person over the last 15 years. And ultimately, what I felt was missing was the kind of essential guide to where do you start? Because mindset is such a buzzword these days. But very few people know what that means or how you should get a more powerful mindset, right? You hear people say, oh, you need a strong mindset, you need a growth mindset, but how do you get that and how does that apply to your life? That's really what my book answers. I took some of the top mindset teachings and boiled it down to these eight essential practices that are currently being used by some of the top CEOs, leaders, politicians in the world but you just don't hear about that part of what they're doing. So I went and studied that and brought forth these eight essential mindset practices. So I don't think we're gonna go through all eight in the interest of time, but take us through a few of your favorites. Sure, well, let's start with number one because okay. I started with, I think, the most foundational piece. And the book is written for people who've never ever studied mindset, or maybe they've read one book or gone on one meditation retreat, or they know what mindfulness means, right? But now what? So the first practice I teach is called Mind the Gap. And it comes from when I was in London and I'd be waiting for the tube and they always had that announcer who said, you know, Mind the Gap. So Mind the Gap is a reminder that no matter what happens to us, we can always create a little bit of space between what happens to us and the meaning we make of it. And this is one of the foundational practices of mindset mastery, which is what people call, you know, people who study mindset call this mindset mastery is not being so reactive, right? Because most of us, something happens and immediately we've created an interpretation and a meaning of what that was. But if you can create that little bit of space, you have a choice to create a more empowering meaning. So that's the first mindset practice that I teach in the book. And look, you know yourself, this is not once and done kind of work. Like I'm still working on this all the time. You know, a couple of days ago, I was looking for a news piece where I was interviewed about what's the right mindset needed for going back to work. We recorded this great interview and I, you know, put my television on at the time it was supposed to be on. Nope, didn't come on. So I thought, oh my goodness, is it because, you know, she didn't like my interview? Did something go wrong? I just felt my brain immediately go to, you know, what was wrong with my interview that it didn't air? But if you've done this mindset work and you can mind the gap, right? You just create that little bit of space. And I emailed her and said, hey, I guess, you know, did I get bumped? What happened? And she's like, oh yeah, you know, you're gonna be on next week. Something else had to go on this week. That's what I'm talking about. Hey guys, Dr. Richard here. For the past seven years, I've been privileged to bring you incredible guests who are changing the world and can help you become the best version of yourself. 
I'm really excited to share with you a new quiz that I created based on my clinical training that will curate for you a custom list of my top episodes and actionable strategies to help you wherever you are on your journey. All you need to do is go to drrichardschuster.com to take it, and it's 100% free. You'll be taking the next step on the journey to unlocking the power of you, and I can't wait to see where you'll go. I love that. And to put my little psychology hat on here, you know, in our world of cognitive behavior therapy, we call that cognitive reframing. It's essentially, you know, oftentimes our immediate reaction is to go to the negative when if we sit back and, you know, you can often do this on with pen and paper and write down, okay, so what are the possible reasons X happened? And, yeah. you know, for you, you went, oh, my interview wasn't good enough or, you know, maybe I screwed up or whatever it was. And when you go into the other side, what are the other possible reasons? Well, you know, there's tensions in the Middle East or there's a shooting or something and you had to be bumped on the news. So but we I, all do it, right? Because right. we have 6,000 thoughts a day. And have you ever seen what percentage of them are negative? Have you ever seen that number? What would you guess? What percentage of our thoughts do you think are negative? I day? would guess probably 70% for yeah, some people. On. Yeah, 70 yeah. to 80% of our thoughts are negative. So if you're listening, thinking, oh, I just thought that I tended to think, you know, things in the worst possible light, you know, no, that's something we all do and why we need to retrain our brain. And I love that you said, you know, that that's called cognitive reframing. Is that what you said? Cognitive reframing? Yep. Because one thing I was trying to do with this book is just make mindset practices way more accessible, right? So I took some principles that are out there already and then some that I created and have been using with my coaching clients for the last five years and gave them names anybody can understand, right? Mind the gap. Now you're always going to hear that British voice, right? Saying mind the gap when you need it. And these are tools you can teach to your family, to your kids, to your coworkers, just making it way easier to get going on that mindset journey. I love it. So we're already having fun here. So that was mind the gap. That was one of the eight. Give us another one, Julia. Well, I love chapter five, bust your limiting beliefs, because that had a big transformational impact on me when I learned this. We talked about when I first created Little Pim, my language teaching company, and then I hit that wall where we were at you know, 400,000 in revenues and I just couldn't take the business any further. And I got some advice from my cousin actually, who right when I was thinking, yeah, maybe I'm just not cut out to be a CEO and I should shut this thing down, I found out through the family grapevine that he had sold his company for $400 million. <laughs> so at first I was like, well, I don't even want to talk to him. That, that makes me sick. But then I was like, all right, maybe I should get some advice, right? So I invited him into my company. He took a look around. He asked me a bunch of questions. And he said, you know what? You have a great platform you've built here. Don't shut this thing down. Why don't you go raise venture capital and scale it up? And I'm telling you, when he said venture capital, I just felt like a deer in the headlights. Like, what? Not those guys. I don't want to go talk to those. Those are the guys in suits who ask you all the questions about numbers. I had been a fundraiser in one of my careers, and I remember going to see a VC, you know, venture capitalist. And I remember he made me wait like an hour and a half or something. And finally, his assistant came and got me with her high heels and followed her down this long hallway, this gorgeous office in Greenwich, Connecticut. And I sat down across from him to have the meeting and he looked at his watch and he looked at me and he said, you have 11 minutes, go. <laughs> I was like, I don't want to go talk to those guys. I really, really don't. So I was like, well, what else do you have? And he said, no, that's, that's what you should do. 
So I thought about it for a little bit and I realized that I didn't see myself as someone who could raise money, run a multi-million dollar business. I came from a creative background, very confident in the arts, but not at all in business. And I had to get over those limiting beliefs in order to do what the company needed me to do to take it big. And that's where I got my first mindset coaching and, and reframing. And I did what's called bust your limiting beliefs. So I had a limiting belief, which is a belief you cannot see, but that's holding you back. And my limiting belief was because I have a creative background and I didn't go to business school and I don't have a finance degree, I couldn't possibly raise venture capital and run a multi-million dollar business. And until I got rid of that limiting belief, I couldn't pursue those things. So I was able to, I told that story in Million Dollar Women. I basically mentally put that belief into a storage center in New Jersey that I would picture in my mind, pull the door down on the storage center and drive away. And I was able to raise $6 million, grow the business to be a multi-million dollar business and went on to you know, now teach other people how to bust their limiting beliefs. So that, that's probably one of my favorites. So I was waiting for the technique and you, you said it. So in your instance, so there's really two parts of this. One is being able to identify what your limiting belief is, because sometimes it's not always so obvious. Correct. And so I want to do that. And then two, the technique for you was this visualization piece where you really saw that belief put in a box and locked in a storage unit somewhere in New Jersey. And But that was before I was trained as an NLP master right. practitioner. So now I have a four-step process that anyone can use that's a little more documented. So for, let's do this first. So let's let's talk a little bit about how you go about identifying that limiting belief if it's not so readily apparent. And then we'll talk about that four-step yeah, people ask me a lot, Julia, how do I know if I have a limiting belief or what my limiting beliefs are? And it's actually very easy. If you look around your life at the things you don't have that you would like, maybe it's more money, more love, more feeling of peace, more connection with family or friends, there's always a limiting belief behind that. Because if you didn't have that limiting belief, you would have it already. The converse is true as well. If you look around your life at the things that are going well, right? You and I are both scuba divers. We love that. We're passionate about it. We probably have an empowering belief behind that. There's only two types of beliefs, empowering and limiting. So an empowering belief might be, I'm safe wherever I go. I'm you know, good at getting out of tough situations. And even if anything came up on a dive, I'd be fine getting out of it, right? I have a lot of people say, oh, I can't go scuba diving. That's terrifying. What if something went wrong down there? I don't have that limiting belief, right? I have others, but not that one. So that's the way to find your limiting beliefs. What don't you have? There's a limiting belief behind that. So that's an easy way. And I love that because, and again, with the theme of you've created these really simple tools, somebody can ask these questions and take these different areas of their lives. So where am I successful? Where am I not successful? And simply, it's simply if, if I have this, then it's X. And if I don't, it's Y. So I like that a lot. And so now that we've identified our limiting beliefs, take us through the four-step process to tackle those things. Yes. And I'm, I'm very geeky about having processes and spreadsheets and worksheets. We have a, a very robust workbook that goes with Go Big Now that people can download for free because I do believe writing things down makes a big difference. So you'll hear that's part of the four-step process. So step one, identify the limiting belief and say it out loud to a coach, mentor, or a skilled friend. I wouldn't just pick any friend, but maybe someone who's also done some mindset work and can help you with this. Step two is writing it down. It loses half its power right there, right? Sometimes you write down, well, I couldn't possibly, you know, make another $100,000 a year. 
Well, why not? Lots of people have, right? It loses its power when you write it down. Third step, come up with the positive opposite. What if I didn't have this limiting belief? What if I had the empowering version of this belief? So for me, the limiting belief was, I can't be the CEO of a multi-million dollar company. So the positive opposite was, I would make the, a great CEO of a multi-million dollar company for reasons X, Y, and Z. Now, step four is where people sometimes get lost because those steps are fairly easy. Step four is to come up with 10 action steps that will take you closer to the positive belief. And often people can only come up with two or three because if you think about it, if you have a limiting belief, you've probably not been doing any of those things. Like in my case, some of those action steps were learn how to talk about the finances of your company, create a pitch deck, go talk to investors, right? None of these were things I was currently doing. So you sometimes need help from other people to come up with all 10 steps. And I recommend going to someone who doesn't have your limiting belief, who has those results that you're looking for and asking them, hey, what's your thought process like? What are some of the things that you do? And then borrow their thoughts and actions and start doing those things. And you'll see some really big shifts by the time you get to step 10. Beautiful. And I, the piece of that that really resonated with me is to find somebody who doesn't have those beliefs. Because if you sit yourself in a circle of a bunch of people who think and act like you do and are not where you want to be, you're going to stay exactly where you are. And I know from listening to your podcast that we're both big fans of the Jim Rohn quote. Yep. You are the average of the five people you spend the most time with, right? So that Jim Rohn shows up a lot on this show and for a lot of good reasons. So it's so true. But I would love to just, if I may, mention that in listening to some of your podcasts, I was reminded how so many of the mindset gurus we all think of are men. And something that drove me to write this book was feeling that there is a female voice missing from this space. And so many women are reinventing right now, especially with the She Session. And women have started businesses at twice the rate that men have over the last couple of decades. So I wanted to bring a female voice to this space, but not just for women, because think of all the women reading books written by men about mindset. I do think men have a lot to gain from reading books written by women about mindset that have some examples of women. I have examples of both, but certainly my life story is from my female perspective. Well, I love that. And, uh, you know, I want to be respectful of time, but let's do one more, Julia. So we've we just did chapter five, which is awesome. Give us one more of those eight steps that you really love. love. And, you know, I don't think I've mentioned the definition of the go big mindset. So maybe I'll just take a moment to do that. It's very simply. The go big mindset is a set of beliefs that allows you to stay positive, overcome any obstacle, and reach your goals. So it really picks up where growth mindset leaves off. If any of your listeners have studied that book by Carol Dweck, she helps you understand that the amount of intelligence you have and the amount of ability that you have in the world is not fixed. It's You can grow it, right? And so once you've grasped that and embraced that, Now I help you set go big goals so that you can get to your big dreams and know how to stay on track when things go wrong and make sure you keep pursuing them and don't, you know, kind of go back to where you were before. Perfect. Thank you for the clarification. So we've got that foundation. Let's do one more practice. One more. All right. Be, do, have is one of the eight mindset practices I teach that makes a huge difference for people who have a big ambitious goal, but aren't quite sure where to start. So the best way of understanding be, do, have is that 99% of the planet is living according to the opposite of that, which is have, do, be. And it sounds like this. 
this is the amount of money or education or family support that I have. Therefore, this is what I can do in the world, fairly limited by what I have. And therefore, here's who I can be. And most people go through their entire life like that. And it usually stops them from pursuing big ambitious goals because they say, well, hey, I don't have enough money or education or family support or whatever it is. If you want to get to your goal faster, flip it and practice what I teach, which is called be, do, have. And be, do, have sounds like this. Who do I want to be in the world? Maybe it's a speaker. Maybe it's an author. Maybe it's someone running a successful company or getting promoted to manager. Okay, what would that person be doing? What would I be doing if I were already there? If you want to be an author, start writing. If you want to be a public speaker, start speaking anywhere they'll let you, at your church, at your son's friend's high school class, make a toast at weddings, start doing those things. And pretty soon you will have the things that person would have. This is a great way to shortcut the process in getting to your dreams. It's so interesting because the way that you frame that is so right on that so many people, and I saw this when I was a practicing psychologist, there's an expectation within an industry of how many hours you should work. And by proxy, that means how many hours are left to spend with your family, how many years you have to work, how much money you can make, how much aggravation is built into that. <laughs> and so, and it's just expected because that's the way it is. But I love the way that you frame this because essentially you're saying, I don't have to do any of that. I can have as much as I want. I can be whoever I want to be and I can do whatever I want, whenever I want. As and, long and as I, you start with the B, not yes, the half. That's, that's right. That's the key. I don't know if we have time for one more little story. We'll do we a story. Time. Sure. We'll, okay, we'll make time. Yes, do a little story. We do have made such a big difference in my life when I had the idea to write Million Dollar Women, my best-selling book that I wrote right before Go Big Now. I was at the time running the language teaching company, Little Pim. And I was irate when I learned how few women ever build a multi-million dollar business. It's two to 3% of women entrepreneurs ever get to 1 million in revenues, which is really just getting off go in the business world. So I thought, well, gosh, I want to write a book on this. I want to make a change. I want to help be part of solving this. But then immediately I had all these limiting beliefs, right? And I thought, oh, well, what do I have to do that, right? Have, uh, I'm not rich. I'm not famous, right? I'm not even a writer. What could I possibly do about this? But instead, I thought, well, what would I be doing if I were already a leader on this topic? Well, I'd probably be writing about it. I would be helping other women go forward. I'd be educating other people on this topic. So I started writing a column for Forbes. I started teaching women on weekends in my conference room how to grow their businesses. That evolved into a partnership with Morgan Stanley. I then had you know, 20 or 30 articles in Forbes. And when I sat down two years later with an editor at a top publishing company in New York, she said, you know, you pitch this book, Million Dollar Women, and I've got a stack of manuscripts on my desk on the exact same topic. This is a hot topic right now. I thought, oh boy, here comes the no. And she said, but you know what? We would like you to write this book and we're going to pay you a six-figure advance because you're clearly an expert on this topic. You've been teaching, you've been writing about it. I've read all these quotes of you in the media. So we want to work with you. That was a perfect example of be, do, have. If I had gotten stuck at, I don't have the money or fame or credentials as a writer, I never would have gotten started. And instead, I wound up getting what I had hoped for. It took a couple of years, but I did get there. 
That's awesome. Great story. I'm glad that we had the time to share that because it, it's a very beautiful illustration of that practice. So I, I wish we had another hour or two to spend together to talk about this, but we are at time. Julia, as you know, I wrap up every episode by asking my guest this one question. What is your biggest helping? That single most important piece of information you'd like somebody to walk away with after hearing our conversation today? I'd love people to think about what do I want to change in my life in order to get to my go big dream, go big goal, as I teach you in my book to identify a go big goal and go for it. But the quote that always comes back for me is, if you want something you've never had, you'll need to do something you've never done. And that to me is the ticket because all the coaches I worked with were people who embraced the idea that a coach is someone who makes you do the things you don't want to do so you can become the person you want to become. And that usually means trying some things you've never tried before. So if someone listening is about to embark on a big crazy dream or just really go for it, this is the time you've decided I'm going to make it happen, maybe write that down on a post-it or put it up in your kitchen and think about, yeah, some of this is going to be hard and it's because I want something I've never had, so I'm going to do something I've never done. And yes. I wish you all the best with that. Beautifully said. Julia, where can people find you on the internet? I'm very active on social media, especially on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. It's just at Julia Pimsler. And on my website, juliapimsler.com, there's a section, Go Big Now. You can take a free mindset assessment and also find an ebook we wrote with the 12 mindset practices of successful leaders and CEOs. Perfect. And we'll have links to everything Julia Pimsler at the show notes at thedailyhelping.com. Well, Julia, this has been immensely fun. I knew that it would be. Thank you so much for being on The Daily Helping. It was awesome having you on. Thank you so much. We'll have to follow up on the scuba diving trip. Yes. Yes, indeed. And I want to thank each and every one of you who chose to listen as well. If you like what you heard, go give us a subscribe on Apple Podcasts and leave us a five-star review because that is what helps other people find the show. But most importantly, go out there today and do something nice for someone else, even if you don't know who they are, and post it in your social media feeds using the hashtag MyDailyHelping because the happiest people are those that help others. 